Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast episode contains references to suicide and criminal violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams and today we're going back to Wednesday, the 25th of August, 1824. That was the day that two desperate convicts escaped the hellish conditions at the notorious Macquarie Harbour Penal Station in Tasmania, only to find that ultimately their only freedom lay in the world beyond ours. William Saul was born in England around 1799 and was convicted of forgery in Middlesex in 1820. He was sentenced to hang but this was reprieved and after spending a few weeks in a prison hulk he was transported to Australia on the Agamemnon, arriving in Port Jackson in September that year. William Saul absconded in December 1820, tried his hand at bushranging, got caught and was imprisoned in Sydney jail. He was sent to Newcastle Penal Settlement in the middle of 1821 and two years after that to the hell hole of Port Macquarie from which he and many other convicts absconded. William Saw was caught again and as an incorrigible escaper he was sent to Macquarie Harbour Penal Station in southwestern Tasmania. William Allen had a not dissimilar trajectory. Born around 1802 he was charged with horse theft and transported to Australia for life in September 1819 aboard the Prince Regent. According to Closing Hell's Gates, Hamish Maxwell Stewart's 2008 book about Macquarie Harbour Penal Station, in Sydney William Allen and another convict pulled off a series of burglaries to fund their escape to Timor, which they thought they could get to across country. Caught before they died in the attempt, William Allen was sent to Port Macquarie. He absconded, was caught, and was sent to Macquarie Harbour. Macquarie Harbour was one of Australia's harshest penal settlements. Opened in January 1822, it was reserved for the men who were considered the worst of the worst, repeat offenders, repeat absconders, and the most desperate of convicts. To go there was to be banished to the ends of the earth. That is, if you survived the voyage through the treacherous waters of Bass Strait and actually made it into Macquarie Harbour. Your ship had to pass through Hell's Gates, the harbour entrance so named for its dangerous shallows and because of the hell on earth that awaited on the other side. Convicts kept here were chronically undernourished, frequently flogged and abominably crowded into primitive barracks on wind and wave-swept Sarah Island out in the middle of the harbour. By day, they worked ashore in heavy chains to cut down massive hewn pines for shipbuilding. All around them was forbidding bush and towering mountain ranges, nature's prison. Surviving escape by land was virtually impossible and it was more than a hundred miles through wilderness to Hobart. To get away via water, you'd have to steal a boat and survive going back out through Hell's Gates. Despite such overwhelming odds, plenty of Macquarie Harbour convicts felt they had nothing to lose but the lives that were no longer worth living anyway. 
In volume 22 of 1838's British Parliamentary Papers, which are available on Google Books, we find the Select Committee of Transportation's report on Macquarie Harbour. Its figures and notations provide a sketch of the brutality and desperation of the place. The first year of operation, 1822, began with 70 convicts and, by year's end, that population had grown to 181. In that 12 months, 169 flogging sentences were passed on prisoners, representing a total of 6,137 lashes. So, just on average, every single man there got 34 lashes that year, though the actual number for those deemed the worst behaved would have been much, much higher, likely in the hundreds of lashes. No wonder convicts risked everything to escape. The parliamentary papers record the first absconders as being John Green and Joseph Saunders, who legged it on the 4th of March, 1822. The notation beside their names reads simply, quote, supposed to have perished in the woods. Another six men took off six days later. Two soldiers and three prisoners were sent in pursuit. All 11 of these men vanished, the government believing that they'd killed each other. Next up was infamous Alexander Pierce's first escape on the 20th of September in the company of seven men, with their subsequent adventures involving a little murder and cannibalism before the survivors, including Pierce, were returned to Macquarie Harbour. On the escapes went, groups of men who fled and were listed as having perished in the woods, with names beneath them on different dates simply listed as Ditto. Then there were other notes about men who seized boats only to sink and drown. Alexander Pierce's second escape, this one with Thomas Cox, was also recorded, with the parliamentary paper reading, quote, The latter was murdered by Pierce on the 19th of November, 1823, who lived upon the body till the 21st, when he gave himself up. Two pieces of human flesh were found upon him. Alexander Pierce was hanged in Hobart Jail on the 19th of July, 1824. By this time, there'd been a more successful and enduring escape. On the 9th of June that year, Matthew Brady and 13 men seized a whaleboat and got as far as the Derwent River, where they became bushrangers. Their parliamentary notation reads, After committing several murders and plundering the inhabitants in various parts of the country, they were all apprehended, tried and executed, except George Saxon, who was sent back to the settlement. That was true enough, but it didn't quite do justice to Matthew Brady's bushranging career, which saw him become a legend as a gentleman who didn't prey on women and who went to the gallows gallantly. Convicts well knew the fates of escapees who were brought back and flogged, and the fates of those men like Brady and Pierce who were hanged. But what of all of those convicts who'd escaped and just vanished into the wilderness? Were they alive or were they dead? Wherever they were and whatever had happened to them, it could hardly be worse than the living death of Macquarie Harbour. So, on this day, 196 years ago, William Allen and William Saul took their chances by escaping their guards and running into the Tasmanian forest. Details of what followed in the next two weeks are scant. There was a lengthy article published in Smith's Weekly on the 27th of November 1926, just over a century later, and it was called The Pariah of Macquarie Harbour, and it purported to tell this part of the tale. But Smith's piece was fanciful and managed to get the year of the escape wrong by putting it at 1825. It also included dramatic detail that the writer simply couldn't have known. 
Nevertheless, some of it rang true in terms of what it must have been like for William Allen and William Saul, who'd escaped into the wilderness without food and having left behind their heavy axes. Quote, Impeded as they were by the irons about their ankles, nevertheless, they plunged frantically onward from a pursuit that never came. Hour after hour they strove and strained through thickets of climbing vines, clambering up slippery hillsides, tumbling headlong down precipitous gorges until at length darkness closed about them. Utterly spent with fatigue, they crawled into a tiny cave and lay inert, drugged with sleep and exhaustion until the cheerless dawn. As an example of Smith's Weekly's dramatic license, the writer had William Saul saying to his mate William Allen, quote, we can't get through. Let us go back. It'll only mean 200 apiece, but we'll get a feed. The 200 apiece meant lashes, though in Closing Hell's Gates, Hamish Maxwell Stewart says that the punishment for absconding was typically 100 lashes. Nevertheless, Smith's Weekly's piece continued, quote, No, roared Alan with a terrible oath. We've got away and we'll go through if it means starvation. Smith Weekly reckoned they starved for three days before eating a dead wallaby they found and cut up with the knife that William Allen had hanging from his belt. The article said quite credibly that after that they were reduced to eating berries and roots and it imagined them to be plagued by hallucinations which was probably also likely given their starvation and exhaustion. A fortnight after they escaped, only one man emerged from the wilderness, back at Macquarie Harbour, and that was William Allen. He explained to authorities what had happened, and this was reported in detail by the Hobart Town Gazette on the 26th of November, 1824, so with more reason to trust the specifics of this article. Quote, on the 8th of September, the prisoner returned and gave himself up, with some clothes that had been worn by Saul. Those clothes were pierced as if by spears, and on inquiry being made for the deceased, the prisoner answered that he had been killed by the natives. Starving and exhausted, William Allen was put into the prison hospital. He'd have to recover before he was flogged. In hospital, on the 11th of September, William asked another prisoner to cut his hair. While this man was about the job, William said, quote, This is the last time you will cut my hair. This is the last time I shall have it cut by anybody. The amateur barber asked why that was. William answered, quote, Because I shall be hanged by the next criminal court. I have committed a crime of which I will tell you all the particulars another time. That time turned out to be the next day when William came to the prisoner in the privy and said, I am very uneasy in my mind. The devil terrifies me both night and day, so that I never have a moment's rest. When the prisoner pressed him for details, William confessed the truth. Quote, I have committed murder. As I and Saul were wandering by the waterside, he caught a snake, which he cooked, and of which he only gave me a very little piece. I asked him for some more, and on his refusing it, I stuck him with my knife above his eyebrows, and then in the cheek. The blood then ran down his clothes, and he cried out, Oh, Alan, do not murder me. You may take all my clothes, but do not kill me. I then struck my knife into his heart and ripped his bowels open. Hearing this, the prisoner told the authorities, who questioned William and warned him he was making a very serious confession, to which he answered, quote, Yes, but it is true and cannot be helped now. I am miserable and would rather die than live. 
He then provided more details, including that he'd cut off William Saul's penis. When the dead man's body was discovered, it was exactly as William had described, disemboweled and castrated. William Allen was tried in late November, found guilty of murder, and the following week, he was sentenced to hang. Why did William Allen confess? Because he was tortured by guilt? That might have been part of it, but him saying, I am miserable and would rather die than live, indicates that he was one of Macquarie Harbour's numerous convicts who killed their fellows so they wouldn't be flogged, but would instead be hanged. William Allen went to the gallows on the 16th of February, 1825, along with two other convict murderers. One of these doomed men apparently appeared contrite, but William Allen and the other killer, as the Hobart Gazette put it, quote, displayed to the last an apathy of conscience quite incorrigible. That might very well have been because they were getting what they wanted, escape from Macquarie Harbour. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. 